Hello, I'm Dr. Chris Frickman, and you are listening to Vibrant Potential. Welcome to Episode 6. Today, we're going to talk about holistic dentistry. I am going to be honest with you. I do not love getting dental work done. However, when you have the right doc working on you, it is a lot better. And there are some key issues when you're thinking about holistic medicine, an integrative approach to the whole body. There are some key issues with teeth and dentistry that it behooves us to know about. So today I interviewed Dr. Tara Carr, and she's a master of this. Uh, She practices close to me in the Twin Cities here in Minnesota. She is a great practice. I've actually been in to see her as a patient myself. I have sent several patients of mine to see her as well. She does a great job and I trust her. Let's see here. Let me just tell you a couple things about her. Dr. Tara Carr, she graduated from the University of Minnesota School of Dentistry in 2000. And she is right now a member of the International Academy of Oral Medicine and Toxicology the Holistic Dental Association, and the Eco Dentistry Association. In today's interview, we get into some really great stuff, including why you might want to get your mercury amalgams or those silver fillings if you have them, why you might want to get those removed, and we also get into root canals. Should you get them or shouldn't you? And if you have them, do you need to get rid of them and stuff like that? So Dr. Tara is not very dogmatic about a lot of this stuff, but she provides some really good insight. So I think you're really going to love this one. Also, if you do love it, please leave me a review on iTunes. You can go to www drchrisfrickman.com. Frickman is spelled F-R-Y-K-M-A-N. It's drchrisfrickman.com slash podcast. If you go there, uh, you get the show notes for this show, as well as all of my other episodes. And you can click to download or subscribe on iTunes. And I would love to get a review from you and let me know what you think about the episode. And also let me know what topics you want me to dive into in the future. And if you have any requests as far as future guests, I'd love to hear that there as well. So without further ado, here is Dr. Tara Carr. Welcome to Vibrant Potential. We provide you with everything you need to know to overcome stress, fatigue, and chronic health challenges, as well as optimizing your performance in fitness, relationship, and business. We use integrative health solutions and functional medicine strategies, including brain-based approaches, inspired fitness tips, emotional intelligence coaching, and spiritual growth techniques, so you can live the life you want, connect deeply with others, and fulfill your vibrant potential. Your host is functional medicine expert, genetic biohacker, and triathlon coach, Dr. Chris Frickman. Okay, so welcome. Thank you for joining me today. I am with Dr. Tara Carr. She is a holistic dentist. Is that the term that you like? Yes, holistic is a good term. Okay, okay, <laughs> I think people perfect. can relate to that. Perfect. So the way I wanted to start off was um, you and I have known each other for a little while. We met through some mutual friends that are into holistic health, really. So I've known you for a while now. I've actually been to see you here as a, as a patient, and I think you do wonderful work. And I thought the first thing I would start out with is, can you tell people what is holistic dentistry versus maybe what they're used to. Sure. Okay. Well, first I want to thank you for having me here. Yeah, it's you It's really great. Yeah. And um, I'm excited to talk about dentistry today and oral health. So Awesome. So yes, there is a difference between conventional dentistry and what we would term holistic dentistry. In my dental practice, I try to take an integrative approach and I try to customize and individualize my care to my patients. So rather than someone coming in for a routine exam or checkup, 
and they just standardly get x-rays and fluoride and, you know, all of these kind of standard yep. one size fits all mm-hmm. things. We really look at each person as an individual and, you know, and customize our care towards them. So that individualized component to our treatment and to our philosophy, I think is a little different than what you would find in a traditional conventional dental office. Above and beyond that, we spend a lot of time educating our patients. So we, again, take this integrative approach. So we're looking at not just the symptoms that are, you know, I have a toothache or my tooth broke or I have cavities and trying to just fix the problem. We want to look at what's really going on underneath and figure out what the source of the issue is Mm. and really try to identify that. And maybe it's, you know, an imbalance in the GI tract or maybe it's chronic inflammation or, you know, cardiovascular disease or something like that that might be leading to oral health challenges. So we really try to look at what's going on underneath the surface and identify the source of what's causing imbalance and um, disruption and, you know, pathology in the mouth and in the oral cavity. So that's a big difference, too, is, yeah, that's you huge. know, rather than just looking at symptoms and treating symptoms, we're really looking at the cause of what's going on. And then I think the third component to it is that we do offer a lot of alternative solutions, more natural solutions to conventional dental products and procedures. So in our office, we offer a lot of herbs and essential oils and flower essences and homeopathic remedies rather than your traditional antibiotics, antivirals, fluoride, you know, some of those things. Mm -hmm. And then we do do a lot with, you know, helping people work with alternative and complementary healthcare practitioners like yourself Mm -hmm. to really come together as a team to make sure that if there are issues with nutrition or supplementation or detoxification that need to go on, you know, we're, we're pointing them in uh, helping our patient find the right practitioner to make sure we're hitting all of those bases. So I think that's a very different model than traditional conventional dentistry. Yeah. So I don't think most people think about all the things that you said, GI health, heart health, all these different things as having any kind of interplay with oral hygiene or dental health or whatever we're going to term it. Can you touch on that a little deeper? Sure. So the teeth are very similar to the bones, okay, if we're looking at just the teeth themselves. Mm -hmm. So as we know, our bones need minerals, Mm -hmm. right? And if we're not getting proper nutrition or proper supplementation, our body is going to take minerals from our bones and from our teeth. So one of the things that we find that's very typical is... I think there's a lot of awareness about supplementation and healthy whole food diets, Mm -hmm. um, you know, and the importance of that. But I think the piece that sometimes is missing is that not everybody absorbs things the same way. And some people have difficulties. They may purchase a supplement that their body just isn't absorbing. Mm -hmm. So, so making sure we're getting the foods that we need, making sure that we're supplementing on top of that, if we need it, you know, that's not only going to keep the body healthy and keep the bones healthy, but it will keep the teeth healthy as well. Mm. Then if we look at some of the supporting structures in the mouth, like the gum tissue or the periodontal tissues in the body or in the mouth, You know, inflammation is a key indicator there of early stages of periodontal disease. Mm -hmm. So if someone has undiagnosed diabetes, okay, Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. their inflammation is kind of getting out of control, their immune system is suppressed, Mm -hmm. we can see that. Hormonal changes, we can see that in the mouth. And a lot of times we're the first people that are, you know, I'm the first person that's picking this up and bringing it to the attention of the patient. And then working together with other healthcare providers, we can get some testing done and see what's going on. You know, sometimes it is just bacteria and sometimes it is just, you know, your enamel didn't form right or something along those lines. Yep. But I would say, you know, 70% of the time, it's not that. There's it's something, something else, else going there. on. Exactly. Okay. Okay. Really cool. So, I wanted to ask you too, when did you know that you wanted to go this route? Like, did you get into dentistry thinking like dentistry is like just broken or something like that? And you're like, you're like, I got a, I got a better idea. I, I know how I'm going to do it. Or, or did you go through conventional dentistry school and the, and, and then like somewhere along the way, pick, 
pick up on like, what the heck? What, what about the cause of this stuff? You know, like, so what's your kind of your story, I guess? Yeah. So my story is there's a lot of different levels to my story. So I'm gonna yeah, yeah. The, the it usually is with a real person. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The abbreviated version. But I was very lucky to grow up in a household where my mom was very open to chiropractic care, acupuncture, Chinese medicine, you know, using food as medicine, those sort of things. So I was very fortunate to have that upbringing, Mm -hmm. which I think just made me more, it was just normal to me that, you know, yeah, you see the doctor when you, you know, cut your head open or something like that. But, you know, but, you know, for normal cold flu, things like that, you know, those are things that can be um, treated in a different way. So I was lucky to have that background. But Mm. going into dental school, it's a very conventional model. And you have to achieve certain landmarks that are dictated by the organization. and, Mm -hmm. And, you know, the dental schools are accredited by the American Dental Association. So there's a lot of different rules, regulations, hoops that you have to go through. So in dental school, you know, I placed amalgam. I did root canals. I did Mm -hmm. these things because you have to, to get through dental school. Yes. So as I was doing those procedures, you know, I I was very aware that I didn't feel in alignment Mm -hmm. with those particular aspects of dentistry. And so when I got out of dentistry or out of dental school, I'm sorry, when I got out of dental school, which was 15 years ago, You know, I came into practicing dentistry kind of unsure whether it was the right path or not, just because I had all of these incongruencies. Mm. And so it took me, you know, it's it's a constant evolution, but it took me probably five years out of dental school to really figure out how can I feel personally in alignment and in integrity with what I'm doing professionally. Yeah. And there aren't a lot of mentors out there. There isn't a program you can go to to learn holistic dentistry. I mean, you have to do it on your own and integrate it on your own. And so uh, it's a process. So I would say about five years out of dental school mm-hmm. was when I really really made that turn and that commitment to, mm-hmm. you know what, I can't practice dentistry unless certain things feel congruent and in alignment with me and what I'm doing. Right. So the last 10 years have been great. You know, I'm constantly incorporating new things into the practice. I learn something new every day from my patients. It's just a wonderful back and forth dialogue. And I'm, I'm always open to, to learning what, what people are doing, what's working, what's out there, you know, working with people like yourself to learn, you know, to learn what you're doing and what you're finding and what your successes you're having and, um, what your patients are looking for. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's definitely my experience is you're very kind and you're open and you're curious, I guess, too. And, and I, I find you open-minded and I think that's great. Thank you. So I'd love to get down to like a couple of like the nitty gritties. So what about, I mean, for some people listening, this is going to be like yesterday's news, but right. for some people, this is going to be mind blowing too. Right. So what about amalgams? What's the deal with those guys? <laughs> <laughs> the million dollar question. You've now opened Pandora's box. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so dental amalgam. Dental amalgam is what a lot of people will know of as silver fillings or yep. metal fillings that mm-hmm. are placed in, in teeth. And there's basically two issues, two big, well, three but basically two big issues that I have with dental amalgam. And it comes from a toxicity standpoint, Mm -hmm. okay? So the first one is that dental amalgam is actually multiple different metals that are mixed together and bound together by mercury. And mercury is a heavy metal. And the mercury in these fillings, when the filling is in a soft state and it's being put into the tooth, it's that mercury is in an elemental state. And then as the filling sets up, that mercury is bound in the filling, but it off gases and it is readily methylated and it is bound with high affinity to the fatty tissues of the body. And as we know, the number one fatty tissue that's kind of sitting right above the oral cavity and right where you inhale everything is your brain, right? So shoot. (laughs) (laughs) So that's a big deal. That's a really big deal. Mm -hmm. And you know, our environment just walking around in the world these days, Mm -hmm. you know, it's, there's a lot of toxicity, particularly with heavy metals. It's in the foods we eat. It's in the air we breathe. It's in the water we drink. It's in, you know, 
lead paint on the walls. It's in toys. You know, you hear about all of these things. And these heavy metals are synergistic. So if you have a little bit of mercury and a little bit of lead, it is exponentially can be a a serious problem for the biology of the body. So my first issue with the dental amalgam is the heavy metal component to it and the potential that that has for um, really creating disruption and disturbance in the body. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. The second issue comes from this fact that this dental amalgam is an alloy. Okay. So it's these multiple different metals. That it's are, an amalgamation. Exactly. That's exactly <laughs> right. And when you have dissimilar metals that are touching each other in an environment that's wet with electrolytes, which saliva is what we're talking about right, here, right. Mm-hmm. you get an electrical current. You basically get a battery, the, the, the filling serves as like a capacitor mm-hmm. and it starts storing electrical current. Mm. And when this happens, each, I believe each tooth sits on an acupuncture meridian of the body. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, that electrical toxicity or disturbance can actually, you know, picked up in that whole meridian system. So mm-hmm. it can cause imbalance, you know, in the GI tract, in the kidney system, in the lungs, in the heart, you know, whatever it happens to be wherever the tooth is. Okay. So definitely the way you're looking at it is from a model of it's, it's definitely all connected. Exactly. Okay. Yep. The place I was going when you were thinking of that was, and I don't know if you get into this, yep. the science of this or not, but I've been looking into a lot lately just about cellular devices yes. and yes. You know, just the phones and the iPads and just even the computers with yes. the Wi-Fi. every building you go to, you know, on and on and on with all that stuff. Do you have any thoughts and or, you know, science about the idea of do those little capacitors that we have <laughs> like in our teeth, right. a lot of us have, right. does that interact and make even worse potentially what's going on with the cell phone that we're holding up right next to our head? I would say the possibility and potential of that is very high. And I think there is some good research out there that's showing now that the, you know, the, these low, these low frequency wavelength microwaves, you know, Mm -hmm. are really something that we need to start looking at and paying attention to kind of as a caveat, getting into that third category that I was talking about at the beginning Exactly. And that will relate to this Mm -hmm. is that when we have this capacity, kind of this oral galvanism, this galvanic current that's building up in these fillings, Mm -hmm. the fillings now corrode more readily. And so the corrosion actually is, you know, given off by the filling. Those byproducts are given out into the mouth. Mm. It releases more mercury vapor. Okay. So Mm. you now have corrosion byproducts that you're ingesting and you have more mercury vapor that's being released. Then Mm. you add a cell phone or something else on top of that. And I think the potential for you know, again, exponentially increasing the risk or the toxicity is a real, a real concern. Yeah. Yeah. That's fascinating. Cause I think a lot of people that do know that the silver fillings are toxic, like a lot of people know that, you know, there's mercury in them and maybe that's not good for me, that kind of thing. Right. But I think talking about that electrical piece, I think that's new for most people, the majority of people. So Yeah, and it's and, interesting because a lot of times people will come in with toothaches mm-hmm. and I won't see anything clinically. So I'll take an x-ray if it's warranted. I'll do all of my little tests on the tooth, make sure everything is okay. You know, I won't see anything. And then I'll ask people, what side of your face do you hold your cell phone on? And I will, I will bet the bank that eight times out of 10, the side, yeah, the side (laughs) where the toothache is, is where that cell phone is. So it's interesting. And I think there's going to be a lot more science and research on this coming out. And, you know, I do believe that there is a reason for concern. Wow. Okay. Very cool. As we're talking, I'm like, I, I have some questions for you when I came in, but as we're talking, I'm, uh, I'm trying to scribble down notes because you, a lot of what you're saying to me is fascinating. Yes. If, uh, I guess the next place I'll, I'll ask you about, you mentioned root canals and, and feeling a bit out of alignment and stuff when you were doing those. And, yes. And you and I have, we've had conversations about root canals, but for the audience, what's up with the root canal? Like why, <laughs> why, why are you not in alignment with that? So I will preface this by saying that, again, I believe in individualized patient care. And I believe that, you know, what is right for one person may not necessarily be right for another person. So I'm going to interrupt really fast, too, and just say 
But can you tell us what is a root canal? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yes, of course. <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah. What I'm trying to get at is that, you know, there are patients in my practice that have root canals. They choose to have root canals. They have root canals in their mouth that they don't want to have removed. And I support people in their decisions. My job is to educate and to help people make informed decisions. Yeah. So I just want to make sure it's clear that I'm not, I'm not saying root canals are, are horrible. They're the bane of, uh, they should be, all of them should be removed and no one should be doing root canals. I think that there's a, a real concern about root canals and their challenge to the immune system and to the overall health of the body. And I'll get into that. Mm-hmm. But, you know, some people can have a root canal and do okay with it. Mm-hmm. And some people can't. So what is a root canal? A root canal is when the tooth dies. So there is a a very vital chamber within the center of the tooth, which has blood vessels and nerve tissue and lymph tissue. And the part of the tooth that's alive lives in this kind of sacred chamber inside the tooth. And when there's trauma to the tooth, like a big filling or trauma or a cavity, or could even be something like braces 20 years ago, Hmm. or, you know, who knows what the tooth decides to die. Okay. So the blood supply to the tooth becomes compromised Mm. either due to trauma or to bacteria or to inflammation or to, you know, whatever. So when the tooth starts to die, there's no longer this natural pulse coming into the tooth to bring oxygen and healing cells and kind of keep the balance in the tooth normal and regular. And so bacteria starts to build up in the tooth and necrotic tissue or dead tissue starts to build up in the tooth. Mm -hmm. And then the body has an inflammatory response. Okay, so it brings all those inflammatory mediators to the root of the tooth. Mm -hmm. What happens then is if there's still blood supply, you can get some of it up there, but eventually there's no longer enough blood supply into the tooth. So then your body can't get up there and clean all of that stuff out of there. And now you have a real, not a low grade asymptomatic infection. Now you have something you're aware of. Okay, Mm -hmm. you have pus or you have pain or you have swelling. There's something going on there. So what a root canal does is the dentist will drill a hole through the top of the tooth and they'll use these little files and go up into the tooth, into the root of the tooth and clean all of that dead and dying tissue out of there. Mm -hmm. And then they flush that out with like a bleach solution to kind of kill the bugs in the major chamber in the tooth. Hmm. Okay. And then they seal up the root. Okay. So they kind of put a cement up there. Okay. The idea is the tooth is no longer vital or alive, Mm -hmm. but you get to keep it in your mouth. Okay. So you don't have to remove the tooth. And in theory, this is a good theory. Okay. It's a good theory. It's sealed up. You shouldn't be able to get any more bugs in there. You get the bugs out of there. You get the dead tissue out of there. It should remedy the problem. Mm -hmm. But the issue is that the anatomy of the tooth is not as simple as that. It's Mm. very complex. So there are all of these little um, accessory chambers or canals that come off of these main root systems. Mm -hmm. And the root of the tooth itself isn't solid. It's actually made up of these tubules. And I think they say like in each tooth, there's like, if you lay them out, there's like two miles of Mm -hmm. these tubules in each tooth. So there's a lot of space for bacteria to hang out. Right. So the issue with root canals is that you can't sterilize the tooth. And if you can't sterilize the tooth, there's bacteria sitting in the tooth. Mm -hmm. And the bacteria that once were oxygen, aerobic bacteria, Mm -hmm. now are anaerobic, non-oxygen using bacteria. And as we know in other disease processes in the body, anaerobic bacteria are are nasty. And they can excrete toxins, which Mm -hmm. can get into the bloodstream through the periodontal ligament of the tooth and end up in your heart, end up in other parts of your body. And there's science that shows that these toxins from these anaerobic bacteria have been connected in root canals, have been connected with cardiovascular disease, cancer, autoimmune disease, all sorts of different Um, chronic health challenges. So I have a problem with that, you know, (laughs) and I don't think you can predict who's going to have a problem and who's, I mean, who's going to be affected by this and who's Mm -hmm. not. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes by the time you figure it out, now we have cancer or we have cardiovascular disease and that's a much more difficult um, challenge to overcome than simply removing a tooth. Yeah. So Hopefully that didn't go off on too many tangents, but I think that explains what a root canal is and some of my concerns. Yeah, no, not at all. I mean, um, on a personal level for me, and I don't remember if I've ever shared this with you or not, but my girlfriend was diagnosed with breast cancer just over a year ago now, probably about 14 months ago. And 
she's also a functional medicine doctor as am I. And we've, as you can imagine, like that happened. And, you know, at first you're floored because it's like, what, you know, I'm doing all this healthy stuff, you know? And, and then we kind of go into a phase of like digging around and trying to figure out what's going on. Like, how did this happen? Not, of course, how do we deal with it too? But as part of that, like, how did it happen? You know? And, you know, to, to long story short, because I won't go into the whole thing here, we feel like it's multifactorial. Sure. But one of the things was that she had a root canal. Yep. And it happened to be in a molar on the same side as, as the, the breast cancer, cancer yep. as the as the tumor was found. And, you know, she has a she is a family friend that has been a holistic dentist for quite a while as well. Yep. And he had sort of been bugging her for about 10 years, you know, gently to be like, yeah, you might want to think about getting rid of that, yep. you know, that root canal. So anyways, so she got, she feels that at least part of what happened with, with getting this breast cancer, even though she is a very, what, what we would think of as a healthy person. Yes. And then she gets breast cancer at the age of 38, by the way. Right. Super young. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We feel like one of the things that happened was that she had that, it was one of the contributing factors was that she had this root canal. And um, so she did end up having the root canal removed. Yes. That's the other thing I want to talk to you about is if somebody has a root canal, now what? Like, so, right. okay, now I've got this like breeding ground of anaerobic right. bacteria that's going to cause anything from breast cancer to myocardial infarction. So, right. you know, right. whatever. So what do I do about that if I want to do something about it? Right. So there's two different pr- approaches you can take. One is you can try to keep the bacteria under control. And mm-hmm. there are different ways of doing that. One is, uh, and I'm not going to get too much into this. I'll just kind of throw it out there. But mm-hmm. um, one is ozone. So I don't know if you're familiar with ozone therapy or anything like that. But Yeah, I'm familiar with a couple <clears throat> different levels of it. Yep. Uh, I know a couple of people that do, I forget what they call it now, but they actually, they draw blood out of yep. the human body and then they put ozone in. in and then they put the blood back in that's now ozonated blood. Mm-hmm. Is that what we're talking about? It's similar to that. The okay. reason why they're doing that is similar to why they would be doing this for a root canal, but we okay. wouldn't be taking blood out. We would okay. just be infusing ozone into the area, basically taking taking like a needle and basically injecting mm. not only into the soft tissue, but also into the bone around the root of the tooth to infuse that area um, oh, wow. Okay. And do ozone. you do this? I don't do that in, in the office here. Okay. If, if someone does want that, I have resources, you know, wants to pursue that sort of treatment. I do have resources. Okay. At this point, there are other ways you can do the same thing. So okay. lasers is another way you can approach this. So you can use cold lasers. Cold lasers. Mm-hmm. Okay. And that's the path that I kind of feel comfortable with right now. Uh-huh. And so... Sure. So cold laser treatment can be helpful. Again, it's not something that's going to solve the problem, but it's going to help the body keep that tooth, you know, have a higher probability of keeping that under control. Hmm. And is that something, so is that something that you have a patient come in and it's just like routinely they come in and get this laser treatment to kill off bacteria? Exactly. So I'm going to ask a couple of geeky questions. Is it red light? Yes. It is red light because blue light does yes. some great things for killing yes. bacteria too. So, yes. but it's red light. Yes. And do you know how many milliwatts or watts your laser is? I'm I'm just curious. About I don't, that. but I can oh. get that information to you. Okay, okay. <laughs> I'm curious because I I actually love laser yes. therapy for a number of reasons, yes. and I didn't know that you did this with yes. the tooth. That's really fascinating. Yeah. yeah. And there are a lot of applications for laser therapy in dentistry. You know, we can use it for root canal teeth like this. We can use it for TMJ. We can use it for clenching and grinding. We can use it for post-operative sensitivity. We can use it for sterilizing or, you know, disinfecting the teeth before we place fillings and crowns. There's all sorts of different applications for that it. That is a lot of different but applications. one application you know, the topic that we're talking about is with root canals. Now, with that being said, sometimes you have to have the root canal retreated. Okay. So sometimes you have to go in and have that whole thing redone, but that is one way that people can kind of manage a root canal if they already have one. How often do they come in for that? depends on their immune system. It depends on how infected the tooth is. It depends on how old the root canal, you know, it's really, that's a very individual situation, Hmm. but I would say, you know, 
most people, if they want to keep a root canal and they're really concerned about it, I will recommend they go have the root canal retreated. So we know that those major chambers are cleaned out. We make sure we get a good solid crown on the top of that tooth to seal that off. So no bugs from the mouth are getting in there. Retreated. So they go in, they, they, redo they the take root off whatever, there's some kind of like cap yep. or crown or something. Yep. And then go they take there. that off. They like essentially re-drill it. Exactly. And they, then get rid of, like do that bleach flushing business that you already said exactly and then cap it off again exactly okay which is less invasive than a than the original root canal well it's not less invasive but if the root canal was done like 10 years ago you know that thing is probably full of bacteria if you're gonna go and do that why would you if you're gonna go through that why would you keep the root canal i guess is what i'm well because when you take a tooth out nothing is as good as your tooth so it depends on where the tooth is if it's your front tooth that's a big deal, right? I okay. mean, a lot of people care that they have a front tooth in the front. Sure. And if, you know, if you take that tooth out, there are going to be concessions or compromises or risks that you're going to open up to replacing that missing tooth. Got okay. It. So, yes, in a perfect world where we could grow another tooth, mm-hmm. get that thing out of there. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. But we can't do that. And so, no matter what we do once we take that tooth out, there's going to be some risk and some concession and some disadvantage that you're going to have to accept. But that's the thing is everybody's different. Yep, so, so where is your value? Yep. You know, and most people are willing to get that tooth out of there and make the concession knowing that they don't have to worry about breast cancer, you know, caught that being a contributing cause right, to that right, or cardiovascular exactly. disease or whatever else it happens to be. Got it. So one option is, mitigating the effects of the bacteria that are already in the tooth. Yes. The other option would be removal of the tooth. Okay. And one of the things in holistic dentistry or biological dentistry, it's a little different than conventional dentistry, is when you remove the tooth, we also want to make sure that the periodontal ligament is removed. Yes. Tell me about that. So the periodontal ligament is a little ligament that sits. Um, it's got little fibers that attach to the root of the tooth mm-hmm. and then it has little fibers that attach to the bone. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so when an oral surgeon or a dentist removes the tooth, that ligament oftentimes will be left because it's attached to the bone. Yeah, it's just sitting there. Not, exactly. Not, not hurting anything. Right. But the problem is that it's loaded with bacteria. Okay? Oh, shoot. <laughs> <laughs> so if we leave that in there and we've pulled the root canal tooth, we're not getting rid of all of the infection and all the necrotic tissue. Sure. So then you still have the same problem. Mm-hmm. So we want to make sure that when we're removing the tooth, the periodontal, not only the periodontal ligament is being removed, but a little bit of that bone where those fibers attach is mm. also being removed from around the root of the tooth. And, you know, not everyone does that. And it's a procedure that you want to make sure you're, if you're doing this, you're going to someone that this isn't the first time they're doing it. Mm -hmm. So they know what they're doing and they understand the reasoning behind that. And there's a lot of research if people are interested. Dietrich Klinghart has a lot of um, research um, on this. So you can kind of Google that. and Yeah, I'll uh, I'll put that in the show notes for people. And then the other thing is just focal infection theory. So that's kind of another thing to look at with that. And what we're trying to prevent with doing, you know, we're trying to prevent when we're removing the tooth and the periodontal ligament and the bone is cavitations. And that's a big controversial topic, but that's what you're trying to do is prevent that cavitation from forming. Hmm. Wow. There's, okay. (laughs) (laughs) There's a lot of information I know. (laughs) Yep. There is. And, and I, I love to just chat and talk about this stuff, and I. But I also am committed to not having this take three hours yes. because people will. Yes. Uh, your your time is valuable, and and people won't want to listen to a three hour yeah. thing. So, what are the what are the main? So, if somebody gets out of root canal, yes. Then what? Like, what are the? I know there's like a few different options. Options. Yes. Can you briefly go over those? Yes. Okay. So it depends on where the tooth is in the mouth. If it's a the furthest back molar in the mouth, a lot of times you don't have to replace it. So okay. if you got to lose a tooth, that's, that's the one. That's to go. the one to go. Okay. <laughs> Any other tooth in the mouth, it is a good idea to replace the missing tooth, and the reason being is that our bodies are meant to be symmetrical and they're designed to have balance. And if we're missing a tooth on one side, um, it can create imbalance and future problems with breaking other teeth or jaw joint discrepancies or things like that. So 
plus we want people to function, right? Mm-hmm. We want to be able to mm-hmm. chew and eat good nutrition and do all of that. So your your options basically are some sort of retainer with a fake tooth on it. Mm-hmm. Okay. And these okay. are called dentures or partial dentures. Mm-hmm. That's a very conservative option, meaning we're not drilling into teeth. We're not implanting anything into the bone. It comes in and out of the mouth. So it's pretty benign. And, and you, um, are you taking something like this out every night? Kind yeah, of thing? So you'd okay. wear it during the day and then in the evening you take it out and sleep with it out. So that's one option. The second option would be what's called a bridge or a fixed partial denture. And a bridge is basically where you place a crown or a cap over the tooth in front of the missing tooth. And you place a crown or a cap over the tooth that's in the back. Mm -hmm. And then a fake tooth sits in between those two crowns. And that whole thing is cemented into the mouth. So it does not come in and out like the partial denture would come in and out. So what's the difference between having... Like that versus like having the root canal in there, because wouldn't there still be a space that the, the those anaerobic bacteria could grow under that bridge? The fake tooth actually just touches. It just rests on the gum tissue. So when we're talking about a root canal, we're talking about in the bone. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So this is over the top of the gum tissue. So this isn't in the bone at all. So is it sort of like <clears throat> allow it to, I'm going to say breathe? Exactly. The, yeah. It's exactly right. Okay. So it's just like your tooth in the mouth, okay. uh, the part of your tooth that you can see in yep. your mouth. Yep. Okay. So that gets oxygen. You're breathing oxygen into your mouth. You know, you've got saliva coming in. Okay, so what's that that made out of? So traditionally, they were metal. There was a metal substructure and a porcelain or ceramic overlay. Okay. I don't do metals in my dental practice, and that can be a topic for maybe part two. But but it's a ceramic material. So it's a non-metallic ceramic material. Okay, so hopefully not getting similar issues to what we were talking about with the silver fillings. Right, there's no galvanism and there's no heavy metal in in the in the ceramics. Nice. So and then a, there's a third option. Yep. So then the third option would be a dental implant. And okay. dental implants are kind of like bionic teeth. Mm, um, that sounds awesome. Yeah. A, <laughs> a screw, okay, basically a screw is placed into the jawbone where the root of the tooth used to be. Okay. Okay. And then a second screw screws into that, which sticks through the gum tissue. And then a crown goes over the top of that. So it's basically like you're getting the root of the tooth back, the part of the tooth that sticks through the gum tissue, and then the crown of the tooth over the top of that. Whew, okay. So that involves surgery. Yeah. It takes about six to months to a year to go from point A to point B with that. Really? Multiple surgeries? Depending on if you need bone grafting and, you know, depending on the situation, it can be multiple surgeries. Wow. And then right now, the most common implant that's being used is a titanium implant, which is the same implant you're going to find in other orthopedic surgeries like, you know, hips and shoulders and spinal yeah, fusions and all of the that. space shuttles out of right, them. Right, exactly. And all the, yeah. Right. So, you know, as a, as a holistic dentist, we want to try to avoid metals in the body if mm-hmm. at all possible. Mm-hmm. So that is a, you know, that is a concern and a controversy. There are ceramic implants that have come onto the market that have been approved by the FDA recently, but a lot of surgeons that were placing them were finding that they were failing. They were fracturing. They'll they were break too brittle. faster yep. and stuff. And then it's kind of a mess to recover from that. So oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. A lot of people that were placing those are no longer placing those. So I only know one dentist, one surgeon in the Twin Cities that's doing that now. Okay, okay. And I've only had one case of that type. So I don't really have a good clinical you know, long-term clinical Got experience it. with those type of implants. Okay, okay. But yeah, you have a retainer. With or a fake, you know, with a fake tooth, you have a bridge, and then you have the implant. Hmm. Wow. Okay. And obviously, I mean, so it's it'll be interesting for people that have a root canal to, to listen to that like little synopsis. But the end result is talk to the local uh, holistic dentist in your neighborhood. Yes, exactly. Uh, about what's right for you. Exactly. Yeah, yep. yeah. Okay. Yep. Very good. And at the end of this, I will I'll ask you to share whatever information you're comfortable sharing sure. with and about how people can find you. Absolutely. And ask you about stuff about Absolutely. their own health. So uh, another thing I wanted to ask you was about nutrition. Yes. Um, so we already touched a little bit about it, but I'm just, I'm more wondering from a preventative or, or yes. almost like a wellness kind of point of view, yep. how does nutrition affect dental or oral health? And that could be like macronutrients, sure. like 
proteins, fats, blah, blah, blah. Could be micronutrients, you know, whatever. But I'm just curious, like, and like I'll follow that up with another, another question so that you can kind of like figure out how you want to answer all of sure. this. But what can people do to improve their oral hygiene or their dental health other than the obvious, you know, the, the brushing and the flossing? Right. Okay, so that's a big question. Yeah, I'll, yeah. I'll try to be concise. <laughs> <laughs> so I believe the mouth is connected to the whole body, right? So Absolutely, yeah. nutrition is key, right? If we want a healthy body, we have to give the body the fuel that it needs to stay in balance, to repair anything that's damaged, and to have the nutri or the energy to be able to be vital and well. So the same thing applies to the mouth as it does to the whole body from my philosophy and from my perspective. Makes sense to me. So with that being said, as we know, we're all individuals. So for me, a paleo diet works great. But for you, that may not be the right sort of nutritional balance that your body needs. Sure. So, you know, talking about macronutrients, you know, whole food diet, obviously staying away from processed foods, staying away from refined sugars, that's going to benefit everyone, right? Yep, yep. Unless, you know, you have some sensitivity to a particular food, then of course, avoid that. But looking at that from an individual standpoint. So again, working with a practitioner like yourself, figuring out what nutritional needs really support your whole body is going to translate into what's going to support the oral health as yep, well. Yep. But above and beyond that, you know, we talked a little bit about minerals and I think minerals are really important. So <clears throat> I recommend or suggest that people, even though they're eating a healthy diet and a whole foods diet full of leafy greens and all that sort of stuff, they may need more minerals than what they're actually taking in. Mm -hmm. So I think that that's one thing that can get overlooked. We hear about vitamins all the time, yep. you know, but we don't always look at the minerals. So mm -hmm. minerals is a big thing. You know, you could do something as simple as a mineral supplement, some sort of combined supplement. Obviously, calcium is, you know, kind of what we're looking at, but you need other minerals and enzymes to make that process happen. So so that's a good one. Trace minerals. I don't know if you're familiar with trace minerals sure. like concentrates. You can make mouth rinses out of that. You can put that in your water. Fluoride is something we didn't talk about, um, and we can save that for another time, but I don't promote the use of fluoride and I would, it would be amazing if we could get the fluoride out of our drinking water. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of people that come to see me, you know, they have reverse osmosis systems or they're trying mm -hmm. to get the fluoride and all the, the impurities and out of, of course, the water. And of course, if you have an RO system, then you're getting you're rid get, of the minerals exactly. too. Exactly. Yeah, right. So, so it's very important to, you know, yes, we want clean water, but we also want to make sure we're getting the minerals that yeah. we need. So concentrates, you know, or trace mineral drops can be very helpful systemically to be drinking and, you know, taking in that way, but then also topically for the teeth. So, minerals is a big one. Okay. Whole food diet, big one. Avoiding refined sugars, avoiding processed foods. Those are big what ones. What about fermented foods? Do you fermented feel foods about that? are fantastic. Nice. I think fermented foods do so much for gut health and yeah, balance sure. that the, you know, your mouth is the beginning of the digestive yeah. tract. So there are some probiotics that have come out now that are termed oral probiotics. Oh, I didn't um, know about that. I'm the jury's out in my brain about them. Okay. I'm not sure of the effectiveness of them um, just because they aren't really in the mouth very long. Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, I don't think it's harmful, but yeah. I'm not sure that you really would get a huge benefit from uh -huh. them. I would definitely encourage eating the fermented foods or taking the systemic probiotic or doing things like that over yep. the oral probiotic at this point. So I think that's fantastic. I love fermented cod liver oil and butter, get lots of minerals with that. It's awesome. So those are good supplements to take. So for I'm just health. curious, like with, you know, say you're drinking some kombucha or kvass or something yep. like that. Would you think that the benefit to the mouth is coming from the fact that those fermented foods are doing so much good in the gut yes. and then that's systemically helping yes. versus so not so much like, Ooh, it's right. washing over my teeth right. and helping right there directly. And actually kombucha can be quite, it's alkalinizing for the body, mm -hmm. but it can be quite acidic. It's got a higher acidity. When oh, you, does it? Okay. Yeah. You know, I didn't know so, that. Yep. So you don't want to be bathing your teeth in that. Oh, interesting. Okay. Okay. <laughs> because acidity, you know, if the if the pH in the mouth drops too much, mm -hmm. it makes it a much more favorable environment for the bacteria that cause cavities to sure. go to town. Yep. So we want to be careful, you know, other things like lemon. Lemon yep. is fantastic. I love lemon, but it's really hard on the teeth and it completely changes the pH you know, in the mouth for 
a good half hour after you drink lemon. So you have to be careful with that, that you're, you know, a lot of people will juice or they'll do things like that, which are fantastic for the body. But you have to think about all that acid and all that sugar that's going through the teeth first. So if somebody's juicing, do you recommend just straw? <laughs> oh, a straw. Or, okay, that's interesting. Yep, or just rinse or, it out with water? Or? Yep. Or, you know, for sure do some rinsing or, you know, maybe even like a baking soda rinse to kind of alkalinize Oh, wow. Really? Okay, afterwards. really going over. Yep. Okay. okay. So, so, you know, we have to... What about to, drinking... Um, yeah, I'm, I'm like always preaching to people about like drink more water, drink more yes. water, like almost nobody's drinking enough. Yes. And one of the strategies I'll tell people is, like, well, I like drinking, you know, things that taste good. It's right. like, okay, well, throw some cucumber slices yep. in the water, throw some lemon in yep. the water. Is that amount of lemon to water ratio, do you think, is that still acidifying to the mouth in your thought process? It or? is if it's something that you're doing every day, multiple times a day. Okay. okay? So, I mean, if you're having a lemon water couple times a week, it's probably not a big deal. Okay? okay. But if it's something that's a daily habit, then that definitely, now again, not for everybody, but it can, it can really affect certain people that have vulnerabilities or susceptibility to tooth decay. All right. Okay. So yeah. another thing to think about. There okay. you go. There you go. I wanted to ask really quick about pulling. Do yes. you know about that? Oil pulling. Yeah. Is that what you're asking? Yeah. Like sure. throw the coconut in the mouth yes. or whatever. Yes. Can, can you describe it? And then like do you think it's valuable? Sure. So oil pulling is an Ayurvedic technique. I don't know if you're familiar with Ayurvedic medicine mm-hmm. or if anyone is, but it, you know, thousands of years ago, this technique has been done for a long time. Traditionally, it was done with sesame oil. Nowadays, coconut oil is actually a better oil to be, I think, the Ayurvedic purists will not think so, but okay. I think the coconut oil is because coconut oil is antiviral or it's antimicrobial mm-hmm. and it has minerals in it. And so when you're swishing, you're getting those benefits as well. Mm-hmm. The concept is that the the oil pulling actually will pull toxins from the gum tissue, okay, from the soft tissues of the mouth. So if you have a buildup of bacteria, if you have you know a viral infection somewhere, uh, if there's inflammatory you know mediators and cells that can can kind of flush all of that away and help with the periodontal health. So I think it's a great technique. I think a lot of people do it. I don't think that there's any harm that you can do with it. However, again, if you're not susceptible or you don't have any issues with periodontal disease, then I'm not sure you're getting a huge benefit from doing it. Uh So I would encourage people to, again, visit your holistic dentist, have an individualized kind of home care program designed with you for you. Got it. And then if that's part of it, then I think that's a great technique. So you're not necessarily like everyone should do no. this. Or and whatever. you have to okay. be careful because if you have mercury fillings, you can be pulling heavy metals from your fillings with oil pulling. Oh, sure. So then, um, but you're spitting it out, hopefully. But the soft tissues are very permeable. The vasculature, the, you know, if you take a nitroglycerin tablet, where do you put it? Under your tongue, right? <laughs> wow. Okay. Shoot. So. You're blowing. You're blowing my mind here, Doctor Carr. <laughs> Darn it. Okay. <laughs> so maybe it could hurt someone. You could. Okay. I mean, if you if you have a mouthful of metal, it's probably not a good idea to be oil pulling every day. That brings me back to the other question. When I was stumbling around, I knew I had another question about amalgams. I feel like there's a slight controversy about getting it removed like how much mercury is being uh, released and absorbed when you get it removed versus just having it hang out in a sort of a less, I don't know, dangerous way or less uh, reactive way. Right. Well, when we remove dental amalgam, we are definitely opening up an exposure to a heavy metal. So that is, that's just a known fact. In our office, we do a lot of things to try to mitigate that. So we try to keep your exposure, you know, the patient's exposure to that as minimal as possible. So we have specialized equipment. We, you know, we have this protocol that we follow that I think really helps not only keep the patient protected, but also keep me and my team protected because we're working in it all day long. So yes, you are exposed to some of it when it's coming out of your mouth. That's why I always encourage when we're doing metal removal to work with an alternative or complementary healthcare practitioner to help with detoxification. Yeah. So that if there is something that you're being exposed to, that we're able to clear that out and get at that right away before it becomes, you know, a problem. Awesome. Yeah. So versus leaving it in your mouth, 
the dental amalgams have changed over the years. So the formulation or the different components of the metals have changed. And what we found is that they now have more copper in them. Mm. So over like the last couple of decades, they put more copper in them. You mean like more copper and less mercury? No, more or? copper and less like zinc, okay, okay, tin, okay. you know, all the other things that are in there. So the copper, as we know, is a, it amplifies energy, right? It's a good conductor. Sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so these higher copper silver fillings can be off-gassing mercury more than, say, a filling that was placed 40 years ago. So it's hard to know exactly how much is coming off, you know, a filling, because we don't know what's... what formulation that is yeah. we don't know how much and if you clench your, so grind many your teeth yeah. or if you're you know if you're more acidic than alkaline i mean there's so many variables um, but what we do know is if you have a silver filling in your mouth it's off gassing so yeah. on some level on some level yep yeah okay and you have so, so you can for people listening there are ways that you can test the system for that yes um so that's, and we can do that through applied kinesiology. Yes. We can do that through various kinds of tests that, that are, that kind of all have pros and cons. You know, you can do hair tests and urine challenge tests and, and different things like that, yes. which I think is probably one of the better ones, but there's different ways to, to do that too. So if it's in there, you're getting some level and do you right. really want that stressor in there? So, right, exactly. Okay. And then you have the electrical toxicity too, you know, so it's it's not just that heavy metal, it's also that galvanic current yes. that's buzzing around See, in there I, too. You know what, my head automatically <clears throat> goes to the toxicity yeah. and I, I already forgot about that, that yeah. you said that, but I think that's actually just as important, as important. it's right. just as huge um, right. with, with all the stuff that we have in our right. technology and yep. our environment these days and getting it out of your teeth is just it's the first step then it's you know it's bound in the body so then it's working with detoxification which i think is you know a really important second step that some people don't don't follow don't quite do yeah so Mm yeah and in my mind i'm thinking do some detox ahead of the procedure do the procedure and do detox after the procedure yeah and support the immune system throughout the entire thing because the immunity can get suppressed when we're when we're removing those Okay. Those fillings. What about, are you familiar with cranial work, like cranial sacral yes. techniques, occipital yes. techniques, stuff yes. like that? So you're familiar with the idea that, and this is, I mean, I tell my patients this all the time, it's the human skull has 28 different bones yes. in it. They fit together. A lot of them fit together with a joint called a suture. Yes. And if you see, a, you know, a skull or a model of a skull that doesn't have any other tissue on it, you can see that squiggly line. That's a suture. And a lot of times, even in medical school, they'll talk about how that ossifies. Yes. And I like to educate my my patients about the fact that those sutures should, they have proprioceptors and joint mechanoreceptors in them. They It's important that they actually are moving very, very subtly. Yes. So I'm curious if you have any thoughts about any kind of like, is it the right word to say oral just a device, an oral device. Is that a, is that a yeah. word, you know, to, to kind of just say like, whether it's braces, whether it's um, a retainer, whether it's uh, like one of the bridges yep. we were talking about. Yep. So I'm just curious, like, how do those things affect uh, the cranial movement? Yes, that is a great question. And I think that's really overlooked by a lot of, for sure. I don't know one conventional dentist that will yeah, even, yeah, yeah. even stand sure up yeah, and yeah. say that they that they will sign up for this trip. But um, I absolutely 100% agree with what you just said. I believe that the cranial bones are not ossified. I believe that they move. I believe that what we do in dentistry can create um, locking up of those systems. Um, mm-hmm. Or if the person is in imbalance, then we can lock them into imbalance. So, right, right. so I think that it's very important to consider all of that. Anything that we're doing on the mandible or the lower jaw, mm-hmm. because that is a free system from the cranial bones, mm-hmm. I'm not as concerned about it. Mm-hmm. So if you need a bridge on the bottom or a retainer on the bottom, or you want a night guard because you're clenching and grinding or what mm-hmm. you know, whatever it happens to be, as long as it's on the bottom... I don't, I don't really see that there's a huge connection. Yep. But when we're talking about the maxilla, we're talking about that upper 
I think that there can be some serious issues with that. And I've had more than a handful of cases of people that have come in with bridge work that goes from one side of their mouth all the way over to the other <laughs> side of their yeah. mouth. And they suffer from migraines and you yeah. know they get sick all the time and they have fatigue. And we take those bridges out and we create breaks in between them, particularly so like the midline. So smaller ones. Exactly. Okay. And those symptoms go away, you know? So I'm a big believer in 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 taking that seriously, yeah. okay? And making sure that we aren't, as a dentist, I am not creating more imbalance or locking someone up into an imbalanced state. So working with a chiropractor, making sure everything's in balance, sure. um, you know, that's awesome to do just after a dental treatment because we a lot of times create stress. So, sure, yeah, right. You gotta um, have that mouth open right. for the treatment. <laughs> right. So, so yeah, I think it's it's something to definitely consider and talk about before we do anything that's gonna be, you know, splinting anything together on that upper arch. Now, you asked about orthodontics and there's a place for orthodontics. So I do believe that orthodontic treatment is can be beneficial. There are many different ways to approach that. And functional appliances are a whole nother topic. But mm. but orthodontia, I do think, has its place. So I would say I'm not going to say, oh, no, orthodontia because of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you need to take that into into account. Do you like the, I think it's called Invisalign. Do you like that more than the braces? Well, I do some Invisalign here in the office. Uh -huh. um, I do like Invisalign for the fact that it is a non-metallic option and mm -hmm. it's also removable. So you can Don't clean your teeth. Don't you get a new one every couple of weeks yep, or something? Every two, two to, yep, two, well, it depends on how the treatment's going, but yeah, every two to three weeks okay. generally. Okay. Yep. Um, By the way, for people that don't know, Invisalign is sort, it's, it's an option to braces, yes, correct? Yes, yes. And it's sort of, to me, it sort of looks like, it looks like the old mouth guard in right. a way that I put in when I used to play high school soccer or something, except right. for a lot thinner, thinner obviously, right. and you can see your teeth through it. Right, yeah. So. Yeah, so, it, and it's removable, you know, traditional braces are cemented or fixed yep. to the teeth. So it is nice, particularly for adult treatment, uh -huh. um, to be able to have that option. Invisalign is limited in what it can do with movement. Okay. So if you have certain classes of the way your teeth come together, or if you have severe rotations or crowding, you know, Invisalign might get you most of the way there, but mm. then you still might have to do some metal fixed appliances at the end of the treatment mm -hmm. to complete it. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's awesome. I love it. I think it's a great system, okay. um, but it, it's limited in, in some things that it can and cannot do. Okay. Yep. Very good. Yeah. So this is the most important question that I'm okay. going to ask you. <laughs> is it really important to brush your teeth? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to have to go with yes. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> We're just breaking open all the, all the sacred uh, discussion points here. Um, okay. So do you have anything that you can recommend specifically about children's like how do, how yes. do I take care of my child and and his or her mouth yes. and oral hygiene and yes well you know depending on the child it can be a challenging circumstance to try to get in there and take care of the teeth but it is really important you know a lot of people have the idea that the baby teeth are baby teeth so if something happens to them we just wiggle them out and it's not a big deal right, right. but they serve a very important purpose they hold the bone so they allow the bone to grow in the direction and in the thickness and in the diameter and width and and space that it should be growing it holds the space for the permanent teeth which are developing underneath obviously it's for they function you know mm -hmm. if you don't have teeth you can't chew mm -hmm. uh, speech you know speech development Development is really important. The tongue not only touches the roof of the mouth and the front teeth, but it's supported by all of the teeth. Mm. So when baby teeth are lost prematurely, it can really set the child up for some uh, potential challenges to overcome in the future. So I'm a big, big fan of, you know, taking care of baby teeth and, and restoring baby teeth if they need to be restored rather than just um, pulling them out. What your original question, though, was how do we, you know, what are what yeah, are some like good as a tips? Parent, gosh, my youngest daughter now is she doesn't have that 
many baby teeth yep. left. So yep. like, my, yep. now, it's too late for me. But. No, <laughs> it's never but, too late. But yeah, so I'm just asking for like, for people that yes. have very young children, yes. for instance, like when's the first time that they should bring them into right. a dentist right. and, and those types of things. Right. So, you know, the first time to bring them into a dentist generally is when they start erupting teeth. Okay. Cause mm-hmm. we want to make sure that the teeth are, are forming appropriately. And a lot of times the parent can look inside the mouth and see if something is grossly wrong. Okay. If there's a big brown spot on the tooth or, you know, something's not looking right. Yeah. (laughs) You know, then if you see something like that, obviously seeking dental care, you know, dental attention and having it evaluated would be a good idea for us here in the office. We recommend age two. Okay. Okay. Age two, if they, if you, everything comes in on time and it looks good when you're looking in the mouth, you know, age two is a pretty good time because we can actually, interact with the child a little bit at age two yeah, and do friendly visits where we're just looking. So they get used to being in the office and it becomes part of the routine and it's not scary and you know, they get, they get used to it and it's not a big deal. Age four is usually when we start cleaning the teeth. Okay. Okay. The reason for that is just cooperation. And again, we don't want to stress the child out where, where they have a scary experience and now they're stressed when they come to the office. So usually around four, they can handle a cleaning. X-rays, again, depending on the circumstance, generally I hold off on X-rays until the first permanent molars are in place, which is around age six or seven. Okay. The reason for that is I really believe even though we have digital X-rays and the radiation is significantly reduced, it's like 90% less than Mm -hmm. the traditional X-rays, I believe ionizing radiation is a concern. And if we don't... we if we don't have to expose children to it while they're developing and growing, you know, that would be my preference. But there's a place when x-rays are appropriate. And when those first permanent molars come in, that's, that's an appropriate time, I believe. So x-rays at about age six. Things that parents can do. One of the big things that I see that I think is a, um, a real concern for me is um, a lot of my patients will breastfeed. Mm-hmm. And breastfeeding is so healthy and wonderful, and, and I'm a complete supporter of breastfeeding. Right, absolutely. But a lot of times what I find is the breastfeeding continues when the teeth start coming in. And when the teeth start coming into the mouth, if you're still doing free breastfeeding, okay, so we're feeding whenever the baby or the toddler or whoever wants mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. to be breastfed, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. those teeth are constantly being bathed in sugar. And you can get a situation where you can have a lot of decay forming on the baby teeth from the breast From the lactose. Exactly. Wow. Okay. I never have heard that. So. And developmentally, I always, uh, I, I treat a lot more adults than kids. Yes. And so developmentally, there's, I'm not an expert on like each thing of like, when does this happen? When does this happen? Yes. When do kids generally start to get teeth? Well, you know, I... I mean, I have three kids, but I just, I don't remember. I don't remember, you know? Again, every child is different, okay? Sure, sure. So that eruption sequence can be different. But what I say is usually by year one, okay, you've got, you've got a good, you've got at least eight teeth in the mouth by, by age one. Really? So are you recommending discontinuing breastfeeding? Not at or? all. What I'm recommending is either adjusting breastfeeding. So like the breastfeeding is done more during the day. And then in the evening hours, we switch to a bottle with water, changing up kind of the the sequence um, with what's going on there. If that's not okay with the parent, if that doesn't feel right, um, or they have challenges making that transition, you know, then whatever you can do to keep the teeth clean. And a lot of times I'll just recommend even a warm washcloth, just taking a warm washcloth into the mouth after breastfeeding and just at least wiping the surfaces of the teeth clean mm. um, can be helpful. But if you are breastfeeding your child and your child is two years old, then, you know, I would recommend some sort of dental exam to make okay. sure that there isn't, you know, we aren't seeing any damage to the teeth because of that. Wow. Okay. I mean, you've really shed some light on a few things that, that even I hadn't heard of. And, and I've spoken with you before about this <laughs> stuff. So, so that's really awesome. Um, I, I can't believe it, but we're, we're coming up on the end of time yeah. here. So uh, we should, we should kind of rock and roll. Do you have any last minute thoughts that you want to share with listeners? Well, my last minute thought would just be to encourage people, you know, every person to really go with what is in alignment with you, Mm -hmm. you know, like really be empowered to get the education and the information that you need to make a choice an informed choice that's right for you. Yeah. Because I think a lot of times, you know, we can give our power away or we can 
do things because we're told to do it, but we know it doesn't feel right to yeah, us. Yeah. And not listening to the gut. Kinda. Exactly. Yep. So, so I think my parting, my final words would just be to trust your intuition and your gut and to really find practitioners that you feel supported by and mm-hmm. safe with mm-hmm. and that you trust and, and ultimately, you know, listening to your higher wisdom when it comes to, to any decision, but particularly to oral health and to any kind of um, health care that you're, you know, that you're pursuing. So, well, that's really great, Dr. Tara Carr. So we're in the Twin Cities. I, yes. I have a practice in the Twin Cities. You have a practice in the Twin yes. Cities. There are people listening to this nationally and internationally. So those people probably aren't going to come here, <laughs> but, um, but I still have great information on my website. So yes, I have a lot so, of really good educational material there. And so can I have on in my show notes that yes. I have, may I put a link to your, to your yes, website? Absolutely. Okay. Please. Yeah. So is there information for people? Like, let's say there's uh, someone in Houston, Texas listening yep. to this right now. And they're like, I want to find this. Should I direct them to your website or is there another website that, that you recommend? Yeah, so you can always direct them to my website. We do have a great resource page on our website that has organizations that are holistically minded, not only dental, but other organizations awesome. as well and okay. links to those organizations. Great. Then we have practitioners like yourself yeah. um, listed. And then we also have um, dental specialists that we have listed on our resource page. Yes. So <clears throat> I think that's good information. However, there is, there are two websites if, if people are not local and they're looking for a holistically, you know, minded biological dentist. Yeah. <clears throat> One is the, this is a big, long title. Okay. I'll give you the short version, but it's called the International Academy of Oral Medicine and Toxicology. Dot com? Dot org. (laughs) Holy moly. Okay. But for short, it's the I-A-O-M-T. And again, this is on my website too, or you can list it as well. Okay. Um, So it's the IAOMT.org and they have a search engine. So you can type in your zip code and then it will pop up people that obviously are IAOMT members, but anyone that's a member of that organization is very biologically friendly and very holistically minded. So it it might be a nice resource for people that are not local. Okay. Um, Okay. And then the Holistic Dental Association also has a site like that or a search engine like that too. And they're, I think they're HDA.org. Okay. Okay. So those are two good resources if people aren't local. Awesome. And then how can people find you? So you can find me. Our website is just www.tarakardd which is T-A-R-A-K-A-U-R-D-D-S.com. And then our office phone number here is 952-956-6700. And we're located in Edina, uh, Minnesota. And so either the website or the phone would be the best way to to find us. So That's awesome. Uh, Okay, well, thanks so much for your time. Thank you so much. It was wonderful talking with you today. And I'm super excited about what you're doing and what you're contributing to the world. So thank you. Visit drchrisfrickman.com for more cutting-edge content, including nutrition and detoxification advice, unique fitness videos, and more.